Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Keeping It Real Estate Podcast with your hosts, Colin Schwartz and... Chris Palmerloo. Chris, what is happening, my man? Super excited for this one today. Uh, Denny and I go way back, so he's got a great story. It's a great entrepreneurial story, in and out of entrepreneurship, but uh, excited for all the things we have going on too, man. So it's, it's that time of year and just stoked to be here. Yeah, so uh, you know him as Denny since I just met him about 10 minutes ago. I know him as Ryan Denhart. So Ryan, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Yeah, appreciate you have be, you being here. Chris, how about you lead us in this journey? Yeah, I just, look, man, I want to hear, so I know a lot of this stuff, but obviously for the listeners, let's talk about kind of, um, let's talk about like what, what you've done in the college, shortly thereafter college, basically how you got on the whole entrepreneurial kick and just give us a little background about Ryan Denhart. Yeah, so um, pretty non-traditional, honestly. I I went I graduated high school in '98. Went to um, left there and went to Wayne State, and you know tried my hand at college football, those kind of things. Tried my hand at a lot of partying too, so that <laughs> that ended up putting me um, you know back back at home. Uh, from there, well, I kind of just bounced around a little bit, um, trying to find my way, you know, different things, taking some summer classes, you know. Then my mom, honestly. Um, she traveled a lot. She was a, a motivational speaker for um, network marketing companies, right? So she did a lot of cool things and traveled around and had some, and she and she's always been owned her own business, right? She was a creative designer, um, interior decorator, that kind of thing, owned her own business, did consulting. Um, well, she she and my stepdad were going to start a coffee shop, right? So I mean, as a law, I was kind of lost, right? Needed needed a place. Um, so I said, hey, why don't you come with us? So so I moved to Kearney with with my current roommate. Um, started Barista's Daily Grind in Kearney, Nebraska with them. Um, started at the bottom, right? That tr- traditional story started at the very bottom as a barista. Kind of found my niche, took over some more responsibilities and different things um, within in the business and um, just grew from there. Um, throughout that, right? And it's a, it was unique because it was, it was really when everybody was thinking, hey, there's a coffee shop over here. I could do that. It's all the same, this and that. But we took a real different approach. Um, and I think that's really what has molded me in my entrepreneurial journey and the thing and how I see business is, you know, we did things different, um, right? We we were, a, we, we created a destination spot. Um, you know, we didn't want to be just your typical, oh yeah, there's another coffee shop. Let's check that out, right? We want to be a place that people truly want to say, hey, you know, what is that, right? We, we set ourselves apart in a lot of different ways. And then we took a lot of ownership in the the way that we prepared the product, the way we selected our products, the way that we charge for our products, uh, just lots of different things like that that really kind of gave me this framework for how business should look. Um, so I did that, you know, at a very entry level from 2001 to 2004, um, became the corporate trainer in 2004 when we franchised the business. So I had a ton of experience getting to getting to train people and um, and do different things like that, and really, you know, became a technical expert in that. Wrote training manuals and, and did some things like that. And again, it really gave me just a, a real granular look at, at what how how to make business successful from the people side, the training side, and, and some of those types of things. And then ultimately, took the business over in 2006. Um, started a consulting company with it. Um, and then I ended up selling my business in 2012 before I went um, back into the to the corporate world. So, you know, that's kind of just the background from a business perspective. Um, 
a lot of little details in between and, and things I'd love to chat about as far as, you know, how we did ran our business and, and what I feel sets us apart. But that, that gets me to essentially today, right? I mean, there's several paths, but I'm a human resource business manager now. I um, graduated with my MBA with an emphasis in human resources here about a month ago. Um, so I'm excited about that. And, and now I get to do, you know, the business that I'm in today allows me to make business decisions uh, directly underneath the president. Um, he trusts me to, to make the right decisions and run the business appropriately. And it's just a phenomenal opportunity and a role to continue to be somewhat of an entrepreneur, entrepreneur, but, you know, have some of the framework of a little less risk involved, if you will. I don't approach it like that, right? I, I feel like I, I, I approach it like it's my own business, which I think helps us be successful. But yeah, that, that's that's the high level view of, of Ryan Denhart today. Oh, oh, wait, I was a professional football player. Does that, should I say that? That counts too. Of course it does. Nice. Wait, wait. Play ball at QB one there. So. <laughs> uh, played for the Iowa Blackhawks. Uh, we played for a year together. Nice, nice. What, what position were you, Ryan? Uh, linebacker. Okay, good. He was a monster. He was a monster. Nice. So, so were you taking out Pomerleau over here? We're on the same team. Go on. There's practice squad. You were practice squad though, right? <laughs> not, for, not for the Blackhawks. No. Uh, now, it, so, so one quick question. I want to kind of back up to the beginning. I know Chris has a ton, but it's um. Interesting that you said your mom was a motivational speaker and had that entrepreneurial background. What were some of the, I feel like I learned a lot from my mom. She worked multiple different jobs. She, you know, she was working two different jobs, you know, as a waitress, double shifts, and she'd work as, at night as a molecular biologist and run around. And I, I feel like I took a lot of things from her framework and just seeing kind of her discipline. What are some things that you took away from your mom? Because you made sure to mention that. So I'm, I'm guessing it's pretty significant. Yeah, it really is. Um, she's phenomenal. I mean, it's, it's, um, she's probably one of the most talented people I know, honestly, right? I think she, unfortunately, she's, she underutilizes her skills just because of the season of life that she's in. But, um, no, she, she's always the thing that I think I took away from her the most, right? I mean, cliche, the work ethic and all the stuff, right? But it, it's different. It, to me, it was the way, the lens that you see business through, um, and again, it's it's this typical cookie cutter mentality that a lot of people take. And and again, right, to each their own. And if that's how you want to approach it and you want to big box days and stuff like that, that's fine. But that's not the approach that she ever took, right? She saw things from a very detail-oriented perspective, right? The little things mattered. Um, focusing on being great in all aspects of your business that translate to, you know, in this regard, right, your products, your your training, your your people, um, your your ambiance, your atmosphere, you know, things that most people stop about halfway, right? They're like, hey, we got a we got a really cool atmosphere, but the products are just subpar, right? Those kind of things. She didn't do that. She she spared no expense to make sure that the experience for the customer. I mean, as, as long as I can remember, every business that she's done, it's been like that. I mean, she she's just she's just really great in that. She's got a She's got a really great business mind from, and I'm not saying the numbers and stuff like that, right? I think some of that is learned behavior, but just her ability to um, adapt and, and create a business that sets itself apart is something that I think is a blessing and a curse that I've learned forever. I can't walk in anywhere without judging it, right? yeah. <laughs> judging it all, hopefully positively. But unfortunately, in most cases, some of the businesses I go to, it's just not the case, but you know, I, she instilled that in me. Uh, my dad owns his own business too, and he's been doing it for years. He, that's he's a work ethic guy, right? That's a guy that um, he owns a carpet laying business. Um, 
extremely talented, sought after. He's been doing it as long as I can remember. And um, that guy just works, man. He works hard. He's where he needs to be. He he works early and often and late and on the weekends. And he's just, he's built that way, right? And I don't know if he's been like that his whole life, but as long as I can remember, you know, he's been an athlete, professional athlete, done a lot of great things that way. And I think it translates into his business ethics and um you know so a lot of things i lived with my mom right so she was my influence mainly but you know my dad certainly was a hero to me in that way for sure that that's great i um that you struck a nerve there when you talked about like paying attention to the detail like one of the phrases in the military as a military was attention to detail is important and i guess that's that's obvious but it's something that colin and i have gone through in in, in the businesses that we've been building because you know, when you're the single or one of two people doing the work of a starting business, it, it it's natural to pay attention to all the details because you're the only one doing it. And there's, a, in all honesty, there's a lot less to think about than if you have 30, 40 employees and you're in a number of states or whatever. Uh, so I think the thing that's important to remind ourselves about, which is that's awesome that your mom taught you this, is that no matter where you're at in your growth perspective or in the business, Make sure that you're always paying attention to the details. Treat the business the same way you did the first day that you owned the business. And I think that will actually reap great rewards. So that's awesome she taught you that. I can imagine that actually really helped set you apart on the coffee business too because you're right. There are so many, I'm not going to name any names, but there are plenty of coffee shops that are just like, you know, it's just, uh, I guess I'll get it because it's quick. It's a coffee shop. I can expect mediocre coffee right there. It's the same. They don't really care, but it is pretty consistent. Kind of like cheeseburgers you can get from other places that I won't name names. Um, but if you, if you put a lot of work into it, if you put a lot of attention to the detail and make it something unique, I think it uh, it's a lot better for the consumer and obviously better for the business. So that's awesome your mom taught you that. Yeah, it thinks it, it seems like you it, just your approach. Like I, I heard you talk about experience, experience, and that it was a destination. Um, you actually dove into the way that they're paying, the the different types of products, the ambiance. It sounds like that you put the customer's dollar first before yours, which translated to a better product. You were really envisioning it of okay, what is this entire experience going to be like? So. I don't know if you want to dive into that of how you started constructing that or some of the some of the high level topics you looked at because I haven't heard anybody lots of people spot, speak about systems processes but rarely are they speaking about the the details that go into everything of their product. I mean when somebody mentions how people are paying or the pricing that's that means that you have thought about this from a customer's perspective. Yeah. And I think there's really no other way to do it, right? I think um and I guess that's what that's the only way that I know. Um, you know, I think a couple things you got to have big picture in mind first, right? So it's like, where do we want to be? What do we want to be? How do we want this to look? Big picture, so that all the little things that you're paying attention to can get you to where you need to go, right? Because the little things, you don't you don't have to stop. You don't have to say, oh, well, we got to knock these things out before we get. You know, you got to you got to handle everything with this approach. Of, well, we want to be this is who we want to be and that's what we're going to do. And everything that we do between point A and point Z is going to get us there. Right. So when we talked about like the little things, um, the coffee business today is unbelievably competitive, right? I mean, there's coffee shops everywhere. Um, and yeah, I won't name any names, but it doesn't take a genius to figure out which ones are where, but you know, so, so if you're in, in Corey, Nebraska, uh, and, and it's 2003, let's just say, 
And there's other big businesses that have been around for years before you, right? And have made this this name. You're going to find a way for people to say, well, let's let's give that place a try, right? We, we've always said things like, listen, we'll set up shop right next to Coffee Shop X because two things are going to happen. Number one, they're going to be so busy they can't manage it all in the beginning. And number two was we're going to be so much better that these people will never go back. So, so we can, we take an approach and, and that sound maybe sounds arrogant, right? But listen, if you're, if you're running a business, you have to, you have to take that approach. Um, so we, we did a lot of research on the products that we chose to use. Um, you know, we, I'm sure just like a lot of the trade shows did things like that. We did a lot of taste testing. Um, and, and for us, it was about, you know, what, are, what do we like? And, and, and the, the, probably the one thing that we did that was outside of like, consumer first is we prepared things the way that they should have been prepared right so for example a cup of coffee has a gold standard of brewing it that's really strong and people don't man this is bitter right whatever the but we were going to condition our customer base to drink coffee the right way the way that it was intended to be drank and prepared and and there's too much that goes into coffee on the front end right like the way it's grown and the farmers and the, in the, in the processing that to, to, to disrespect it. Right. Um, and I, and this isn't like preach about coffee. This isn't, in, anything that has this type of, uh, uh, a preparation process needs to be taken seriously. So, so we did that. Right. And, and we said, we're, we're going to get our customer base to adapt to us so that everything else is off. Right. So we wanted to condition our customers, um, to drink things, drink the products the way that we prepared them. Um, we did a lot of research on award-winning products, right? We started there. I mean, if you're if you're award-winning, you're giving yourself rights. So we did a lot of that kind of stuff, um, you know. But it, it's and then the preparation. Um, we wanted to be known. We wanted what we did to be known as a craft, right? So being a barista is a lot like being a chef, right? To Chris's point, you can flip burgers anywhere and it can be a burger. I mean, you put a burger on the grill, you got a burger. But there's a lot of other things that go into making a burger really, really great, right? A cup of coffee is no different. If you go somewhere and get a latte and you can't taste the coffee, what's the point, right? So so we want to make sure that we were preparing these products in such a way that you truly got, you could taste the product, right? It's like we chose these products for a reason. Let's showcase these things. And it's just a phenomenal, um, I mean, coffee has so many different flavors right it, if you do it right you get to taste them all it's amazing but um so stuff like that we want to make sure that the preparation was we were just pushing buttons right it was it was we we were we were a craft it was by hand um and with that comes time right so it takes extra time to do these things so we also had to create from an operational perspective all of these efficiencies right like for example we pulled our shots of espresso with 27 seconds well what else can i be doing in that 27 seconds right so so you create this this um every customer is a minute and a half right so so you, you are creating all these things within the framework of how you want to be great uh and it worked out really well for us you know everything down and this is the thing that i, I laugh about even today right i, I joke with the, my business friends it's like the bathroom at our coffee shop had the best toilet paper had the best soap had the best you know what i mean it's yeah. silly, but it matters it's the thing it matters to me uh and where i go somewhere it matters to me and i give a lot of people people like, man you're that toilet paper was terrible. <laughs> yeah. But so just little things like that is how we kind of like created this. Um, we turned the perception into the reality. These are the things that we really do. And this is what we believe in. And we're never going to falter from that. It's, and they've been in, Reese's has been open 
every day since 2001. Uh, not once has it ever closed or, I mean, it's switched hands a few times. It's been open every day and their, their model for success works and it's um, been great. That's I love the phrase condition the customer. I mean, look, I, I, I didn't take a lot of uh, MBA type courses when I was going through school. So maybe that's a common phrase, but I'd never heard that. And it, the making them adapt is huge. I never thought about that. And obviously you could get negative with it or it could, it could come out to be a negative thing, but yours was so you could showcase how great the coffee is. It reminds me of when when we were getting started in the real estate game, like I know it's a little different, especially because there's like this art and this craft with, with the coffee, just like there's an art and a craft with wine. There's a lot of arts and different ways to look at um, things you consume. But when we got started in the real estate business, it was really, really popular to flip apartments, flip homes and make a quick buck. And you can make a fat check. You can even wholesale it. You could get something under contract for 100000 and sell it to somebody else a week later for 110000 And... It was, I remember these conversations with some of our initial investors that are like, wait a second, you're going to do a cash out refinance. So we're not going to flip it. We're not going to make one check and then ride off into the sunset with my $40,000. And, you know, I wouldn't say there was like negative pushback, but that conversation, which I guess looking back on it, I was conditioning uh, our, our partners, if you will, to understand that, sure, you make that one check, but now you don't own any real estate. Now you're not getting a passive income. Now you're not owning, now you're generationally not going to do anything. And I'm not trying to relate too much what you said into real estate, but I, I never thought about the condition, the consumer aspect and or condition, the partner condition, the business where it's saying, look, I believe in what I have. I know it's the best and I'm going to prove it to you. And I think that's awesome. You you did that with coffee. Yeah. I, I think it, I think it translates, right? I mean, coffee is just an easy one, right? Because, because. You drink coffee one way, let's teach you how to drink it another way. But it doesn't, I mean, if I'm selling t-shirts, why are you buying a t-shirt for me when you can buy it down the street, right? You, you got to create the opportunity. You got to create the the reason why people come to you. And that's just, again, that's that's creating the habit and the, the um, you know, continued behavior that that brings people to your business regardless of what it is. And I think, it tra- I think that mindset can translate, right? It, it's either going to bite you in the butt or it's going to be phenomenal. People are going to stop coming because, you know, just because you like it one way doesn't mean they like it one way. But you got to be smart about it too, right? You got to you got to know and understand. Like, it's a risk you're going to take, right? If somebody's paying six bucks for a cup of coffee, they better be damn good. Like, yeah. Don't charge me three dollars for a black coffee if it doesn't blow my mind. And and if you don't take the approach of, you know, I'm going to pay a hundred bucks for a pair of shoes, they better not break down on me, right? I mean, it's all relative. Yeah. Pe- people dislike change. I, I think that's. That's synonymous. So as you're saying, you're conditioning people to to truly appreciate this coffee because you knew you had a better product. I can relate it to something just incredibly simple, just as you were to another analogy in real estate. But I know when I first started, I was managing the properties. I was collecting cash. You know, one day I have like $30,000 in my glove compartment. I was like, this is great, but this is a terrible idea. I loved hanging out with the residents, et cetera, except it created all these uh, inefficiencies once I pushed everybody online, there was plenty of pushback. People were like, oh, I don't have an email account. I don't trust uh, people having my checking account numbers, et cetera. It was a slow process, but once that was in place, there were zero complaints about it, and there continues to be zero complaints about it. So all it was was conditioning and training the individuals of like, this is a better process. This is a better product. And eventually, you know, you get over that hump and it becomes smooth sailing so you can better serve the customer. Because at the end of the day, as a business owner, we just want to serve the customer better. 
sometimes the customer doesn't realize what we're doing um, in actuality is to service them better. Um, and that's where we have to pull the Band-Aid. And, you know, we do get some pushback. But as long as we keep keep forth with, as you said, the big picture, what's the big picture? We are going to have the best coffee. We are going to compete with everybody and we are going to destroy them because we have a better product. Um, I, I think that just speaks volumes to why certain companies are successful and some aren't. So, and I think the other thing to remember too, right, is in most cases, right, regardless of the business, you're not reinventing the wheel, right? Real estate business exists. It's everywhere. It is what it is. How do you, you know, when you condition the customer to do business with you for a certain reason, it's not like you're asking them to do something they're not, I'm, I'm not comfortable buying real estate. Well, that's why we're here, right? You, you want real estate. I have a, I have a solution for you. You know, coffee's no different. Again, it, that's why I think that this mindset translates to everything because it's a little different, right? If you're like, hey, we're gonna we're gonna create a a, a cardboard car that doesn't exist, well, yeah, you know, that takes a little bit. That's a little different. Good luck. Well, you're not reinventing the wheel. You're just creating a, a better way to the everyday, if you will, right? A new normal on how to do business in in this market. And I think that that's um, I think people forget that, right? Like 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 here's a here's an example that I see a lot, right? Let's say that there was a pizza. Hut. You guys always remember pizza looks a certain way, right? And if I can't say pizza, I'd cut it out or whatever. But you, said, like, you could certainly say pizza. I should have said Starbucks, scooters, and McDonald's were the three things I was thinking about earlier. Hey guys, did, <laughs> I just wanted to say, did you know my second job living in Nebraska, I was a barista. I fucking tore it up. Just FYI, I can make a mean cup of coffee if you're ever hiring. I'd love to go. Uh, love to go flip some Joe. So whatever. All right, thank you. Well, so, so anyway, so you look at a, look at a, a pizza hut or like a, an Amigos, right? Or, or whatever. If a different business goes into that building and doesn't change it completely, it's still a pizza. Yeah. Nobody thinks anything else, right? It's like, oh, there's, oh, that's, there's a coffee shop and a pizza hut. That doesn't make any sense. So it's like little things like that, that it's like to tie it into real estate. When you're selling real estate for businesses and stuff, they, you got to really be careful because the, the the past lives with those businesses forever. Mm. And, and people don't necessarily think about that. It's like, oh, here's a great location. Mm. But you're always going to be a pizza unless you purposefully do something to change that perception. And I think those are some of the things that 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 I that we've always done as a business, you know, back in the day to to create that perception. So now if you see something that looks like a barista, that's always a barista. That that's a barista. Well, it's not, but it looks, you know, it used to be, and that's what people will think, right? So the legacy lives on good and bad. I think that's something people, that's just part of that creating a new normal is you got to be careful about where you go and what, what buildings you buy and what you do and how it looks. And all those little details have to be taken into consideration regardless of the business. I can tell you a lot of times we're buying real estate. We're actually trying to change the past. We don't, we don't want people to drive by it and think what they've been thinking the last 10 years. That's what that's where the opportunity is, but certainly that's an uphill battle we usually climb. Um, 2012, you sold, got out. Why is that? Yeah. Yeah. So I've always been known. So I've always been known as the coffee guy, right? So I mean, I, I've literally traveled the world. I've been to China twice, Japan, Peru, the Caribbean, doing all these different coffee things, right? I, I traveled around on a national food circuit as the ultimate barista, right? Sounds really cool. Um, Los Angeles, New York, Miami, Orlando, all the all the cool spots. That's awesome. At home, at home, I was nobody could see my legs, right? 
they they see the counter. They don't see my legs. They look through the window. They can't see my legs. They're great legs, by the way. They're they're great legs. Yeah, I appreciate that. <laughs> I appreciate. They say, "Oh wow, you have legs." That's what people would tell me when they see me. Oh, you have legs. Um, and I felt like I was always just the coffee guy, right? Like, that's the guy that does coffee. That's the champion barista. That's the barista's daily grind guy. Um, and and I guess I I felt like I had more to offer, right? I you know I. I'm a leader, right? I, I'm a captain. I'm an athlete. Uh, I'm a, I'm a father. I'm a husband. I'm, I'm more than that, right? I, the coffee industry gave me so much, right? So many opportunities and, and grew me so much, but I, I needed to get to a position where I could be of influence. Um, I'm a leader of men, right? Like I want to be that. I want to create a positive, um, impact in one way or another. And, and I was doing that around right, a day to day, but not to the level that I wanted. So, so I, I had the opportunity to sell my business. And I think that's probably one of the things that I'm most proud of, even just from my personal standpoint and for my family is that we created a business that we could then sell. Yeah. Right? So, so I, one of my customers, um, love him to this day, John McCoy, he owns Orthman Manufacturing. Matter of fact, they just sold Orthman Manufacturing that around the news today, but, um, he had uh, a manufacturer company in Lexington. Well, they were looking for, they were expanding their organizational development department, right? And it was all the things. It was leadership. It was training. It was culture. It was all the stuff that I was after. Um, and when he knew that I was selling my business, he said, hey, you know, would you have interest in taking a look at what we do? And, and I jumped all over it. Um, sold my business, went to work with them. Not much longer after that, um, as an organizational development specialist, um, unfortunately that division was, you know, corn prices went from seven to three and they got rid of that division. So I went into retail wireless sales and became a multi-unit leader. Uh, I had 10 stores in the Omaha area. That's what took me to Omaha. Um, and then went from there, moved back to Kearney to do recruiting and staffing, took on two branches for, um, a staffing firm here in Kearney and Hastings. And then. Again, one of my customers that we staffed for had an opening for a business manager and a human resources manager. And I said, hey, why don't you put those together and we chat? And sure enough, here we are three years later. That's what, that's what I'm doing. Nice. Put those together. Put both of those salaries together. Put both of those compensation packages together. And well done. Well done. So it's been a cool, a cool opportunity for me. So you talked about, um, and just to back it up a little bit, you talked about um, you were doing some consulting. What what did that look like? Was that in the coffee business, and or was it more? Because you talked about wanting to get into or getting into um, development, leadership. That you are a leader. Is that kind of where you found a niche in consulting, or did, just kind of curious about that? Yeah. So I, I use my coffee experience as the platform to launch my consulting business. So I started high road training and consulting in two thousand six. Um, High road because that's what we do. We take the high road, right? So that was an easy one for me to name it that way. Um, but it it was it was geared towards small business coffee shops at the start. Um, but it involved everything, right? It involved business training. It involved um, you know obviously the coffee stuff and location, taking out locations and equipment and, and systems and and all that kind of thing. But really, the goal for me has always been to use that as a way to consult small businesses. Uh, life has gotten in the way quite a bit um, to where I can't do it anymore. Um, not a, not like that, right? I'd spend, I'd literally go places for two weeks at a time and 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 spend that time with those businesses, and I, and I can't really do that anymore. But I, I would really love to 
to get that back up and running and, and turn that into some HR consulting and leadership and, and some of those types of things. Um, that's where my passion is. I think teaching and training and, and, um, and leadership, I, you know, I'm a Gallup, I got my Gallup strengths certificate and things like that. So I just am passionate about those things. I got four kids. Um, I've got a beautiful wife and four kids. They're all very young and, and it makes it hard to get away and, and be super active. But, um, you know, I, I'd love to be able to recreate some of those opportunities, but yeah, it started with coffee, but Again, I think it translates to so many other things, and and finding that opportunity would be. It sounds like you've been pretty active, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't yeah. play yourself short there. Exactly. Very active. It just doesn't look like it used. That's awesome. So, okay, so you've been with the current group effort for three years, right? Yeah. Okay. And and I apologize if you already kind of explained this, but the current role, what's that all in, that you you convinced? Your your pal to uh, to mold together. What's that consist of? Yeah, so so the 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 business manager side of it is payables. Um, I lead the whole. I lead the sales team, the customer service team. Um, you know, so a lot of that, a lot of a lot of forecasting, a lot of a lot of budgeting, a lot of sales activity, um, a lot of goal setting, those kind of things. And then from the human resource side, I'm 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 human resource party one, right? So I do all of it, recruiting. Um, the recruiting, the staffing, the the policy, the all of it. Yeah, I mean, you name it, I do it. Um, and it's great because because I get to have my hand in everything, right? So I, I get to, I don't. So I work for a laboratory. So I work for a, an agriculture testing laboratory. Warren Laboratories is what it's called. We do soil testing, soil health, water. I mean, you name it, we test it. So that's not an area that I'm used to. I'm not a scientist, right? Um, but it's business and it's people and it's sales and it's service right so all the things they translate and i'm learning about the science but i get to have my hand in everything right creating efficiencies in the lab that you would never think that you know a guy that just knows business could help manage things like throughput capabilities and and in volume expectations and um different things like that right and, and creating efficiencies in people's workflows and 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 then of course dealing with large carbon projects, right? So people that want to get their carbon tested for carbon sequestering and things like that, right? Having my hand on all those things, trade shows. And so it's just a really cool um, opportunity because I, I literally get to do everything. And, and the president, he he's my boss, um, you know, but I, I created an internship today and I said, hey, can I post that? He's like, yeah, whatever, man, go ahead. Like he just trusts me and gives me the time to do the things that I want, steps in where necessary. And it really allows me to kind of feel like I get to run this business um, in the aspects that I have my hand in it. So it's, it's, it's phenomenal. That's great. Yeah. It, it, have you, uh, have you studied traction or read the book E-Myth? Okay. It, it just sounds like you're the, the most exceptional integrator out there that, that you're able to build all these systems, put things together. And, and you know, I, I'm just kind of curious cause th this is unique where somebody goes through this entrepreneurial journey goes, sells their business, has a ton of success. I mean, you're traveling the world and then goes and finds their, themselves in corporate, but also has found a love for it. How, and I know you've kind of described some of those things, but how have, what, what characteristics for you personally, do you think starting off with entrepreneurship, and I'm not saying that was your first job, but basically becoming an entrepreneur, business owner, and then translating that to, you know, a corporate environment, what types of skills do you think that you have that, that you see as often lacking 
from individuals that go to college and that, you know, get their four-year degree, six-year degree and start off and basically do the same thing and work at the same company. Because it seems like you have certain skill sets that are very unique that are propelling your business forward uh, a lot more than the traditional individual. Yeah. I mean, I I appreciate you saying that. I, I, you know, I, I don't want to, I don't want to borrow. Go ahead. (laughs) But I just think it's so, so again, like I've always had an ability to, and sometimes it's served me in a bad way. Right. Like, like I can sell things, right. Whether that be a story or whatever. Right. So I've always had this like ability to, to have this transfer of emotions where like, you know, you can be persuasive and, 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 and get what you want. Right. Uh, in school when I was young, you know, it got me a lot of trouble, but I've been able to turn that into something positive. All of us. Yeah. See, so I don't, I'm not alone there. Certainly not unique, but also, you know, I, I was real quick to recognize. So I went to school, I, w- I went to Wayne State to be a teacher. Um, and then I ended up, you know, getting kicked out and, um, but when I went to, when I, when I got into business and went back to, I went back to school to, for business and I quickly realized that everything that I was learning in school had nothing to do with the business I was running. Right. I'm not saying that business school isn't important because I obviously went back to get my MBA because there were gaps. Right. And I needed that. But I think that was another thing that like, I was quick to pivot. Like I can be a business owner without having a business. Right. So then I went to school for social work because my passion is helping people. Um, and you know, Believe it or not, you know, human resources is a lot like that. But I think the other thing, I think the thing that really helps me in everything I've always done is my ability to build relationships. Um, you know, I, I'm not afraid to put myself in an awkward position that, you know, I, I've always been right, wrong, or different the life of the party, right? Like, I think I think Chris can attest to that. He's the same way, right? He, we were we were drawn to each other because just just that that magnetic personality that like I want people to notice me right like hey Lee you know and that's not necessarily a great thing but it's helped me in business because it's allowed me to build relationships it's allowed me to create again these opportunities that people are drawn to having a conversation which I mean everything starts with a conversation so that's part of it um hold on let let, let me interrupt you here that uh even though uh, at first it started as a compliment to me and then it became a well we, we can't figure it out the the difference is, and what you're awesome at, and I and I mean that, and I hope people view me in the same way if they, if they started viewing me like you said, but for you for sure, uh, is that you're authentic about it, right? There are people who draw attention, and they're doing it strictly for attention's sake, or they're drawing a lot of negative attention, which is attention nonetheless. I won't even get political, but we could probably name a couple people. Um, your authenticity in the attention is accurate and it's it's there, there's a big difference and because of that you are then able to and i love this phrase i'm going to use this forever the transfer of emotions i mean you're able to now relate you're able to get someone to understand what it is you're speaking about some people will listen to you some people will listen to you and know exactly what you're saying but if they don't feel it from you if it's not attention grabbing they're not going to jump in so the fact that you started as a school teacher is probably, uh, you know, you probably had your, I mean, talk about fitting. You like to lead people and transfer emotions and be the center of attention. I mean, gosh, dang, could, so uh, those are all unbelievably positive skills. So I wouldn't sell yourself short on that either, man. Yeah, so so it's great. I, I think that's always the goal, right? And and, and it's Three easy, mushroom. it's easy, Chris, to, 
to see through people that are not authentic. Um, and again, the good thing about me is I'm, I've always been that way, right? Like if Ryan is always going to be the loudest guy around, right? That's just, that's who I am. That I'm loud. I talk loud. I, I top with my hands and do a lot of things. And you know, and I'd like to think that if you see me on a Tuesday and you see me on a Saturday, it's all the same guy. Um, trying to be that way. And if I don't shame on me, but you know, the other thing that is super important to me is that whether I'm a W2 employee or, or own my own business is that I'm all in, right? Like that's the ticket, right? Like, like I'm all in, like I run or operate every business that I'm a part of as if it's my own. And the only time that that doesn't bode well is when the things that you can see need changed fall on deaf ears or don't get it done. Right. And then, and I think honestly, like, that's why, you know, I, I went from, that's why I was interested in this role, right? It's like the role I was in, I, I had so many ideas that I couldn't get it done. Right. It was very, they were very slow to change and nothing against them, but that's just how the business operated. Um, but I'm all in. Right. And so when I make a decision, it's, it's based on the fact that if I was, I mean, I am writing checks, but I'm not signing them. Right. But if I was, I'd make the same decision. Right. But it's no different. Um, and, and I probably lose more sleep than the owner does, quite frankly. And I'm not, that's not a knock on them. That's, that's me. That, that's how I operate. And it's gotten me in trouble because when I was in sales, when I had 10 stores and I was in sales, it never stopped. Right. And it was a tough balance for my family because it never stopped. Um, and I drove hard and, um, but that's just me. Right. And I think that's, that maybe is, is something that sets me apart is that I don't separate the fact that I just punch in and punch out, like the day never ends for me and I'm doing my best to find a balance in that. And I don't know that that's unique to me, right? I think a lot of people have that, but I don't know that you really get to experience it if you haven't truly owned your own business, right? Because if you own your own business or have been in a scenario where you worked for a very small business, something like that, you get to feel those, the you get to feel the ups, the downs, you get to shoulder the same burdens because it's it, you're in it. And I think that's helped me to be successful because the people who I work for know that it's all or nothing. You know, there's no in between, right? And if you start to, if I start to coast, then I need, then I need to be on my way out because I'm, I'm done, right? We, we've disconnected from each other, but it's not, you know, that's, that's, I think, um, I do that with everything, right? Like, like working out, I've been injured for 10 years, right? But I can't stop working out with this on this completing to it, right? I'm, I'm more committed to the end result than healing in the middle, right? And um, I'm also very vain, so that doesn't help. That. <laughs> no, I, it's... I think those are things, right, that, that have helped me. And, and again, I, you know, I appreciate you saying, but I don't know if that makes me any different. But I, I have, when, I, when I'm connected to something, it's my reputation on the line too, right? So if it's not my business and someone says, well, that place sucks, and I work there, shame on me. Because I, I just can't have that, right? I, I want I want people to associate the things that I have my hands in differently than they, they do. No, I, I don't know if I was listening too much to uh, Jocko Wilnick this morning and Andrew Huberman, but uh, what, what you're describing is extreme ownership. That That, that is what it is, and, it, and it's true leadership, and it's something that people can be taught, but also some people, I believe, are just gifted with it. I, I, I kind of equate it, and I always bring this thing back to when I worked at Hy-Vee, the grocery chain, where I was a Starbucks barista for six weeks and driving everybody nuts because I was taking out everybody's trash, getting everybody's carts, you know, helping every customer, saying hello, just running across the store, getting boxes and doing those things. And, you know, I got promoted, I think, 11 times when I worked there in six years or so. 
And I look back now and I, I go into any type of retail establishment, restaurant, and I would say 90, 95% of the people are, are, are just doing their tasks. And then there's the one or the two that are going out of the way, that, that, are, that are busing tables, that are having the additional conversations, that are providing the additional pieces of care to that individual. They're putting their change, you know, sequentially. They're saying thank you. They're adding a mint to the order. They're picking up the trash that's around there. They're helping their coworkers. They're providing a positive attitude. Those things are what leadership's about. And th those, that's what you are exemplifying. And that's what you're talking about. I, I do think they are, are fairly unique traits. I think they can be learned, but it's, it's, uh, it, it's something that I guess I notice more than ever now, especially being in business, you know, how many employees when they're on their way into the work site are picking up trash on the outside because they think it's important. Um, it, it's the same thing as you do. One thing is the, is the way you do everything. So I, I love that you said that. So I, once again, more kudos, uh, not trying to fluff your pillow like Chris over here, but um, seriously, that, that, is, that is the mark of a true leader of taking that ownership um, and you know, holding yourself in that high regard for making sure that you know, if it fails, you know, it, it may not be your fault, but knowing that a piece of it, that it, it could be your fault and that you need to step it up next time and find solutions for that. You know, and I think, you know, I think... In being an athlete, you know, a subpar athlete at that, but taking ownership in your role in that as a team, right? Like I think those, that's part of, you know, I always, I loved hiring athletes. You know, when we, when I worked, when I owned baristas, I hired a lot of athletes when possible because their work ethic was just different, right? They, they understood how, what they did play a role in the bigger picture, right? As in, um, and I think with any business, you know, no matter what role you're in, you have to see how what you do affects every part of it, right? And the other thing that I think is huge is owner presence. So whether you're the true owner or somebody who's in a position of ownership or leadership, you got to be present, right? Because those are the things that, like you said, right? Like, do I take the trash out? I don't take the trash out here because we have people that do that. But do I pick up the trash? Yeah, I do, right? It's not my business, but it's important. Um, you know, little things like that, right? And I, and I think owner presence is something that is missed a lot um, because having absentee ownership is, is detrimental to a business if you don't have the right people in place and to run your business for you that are dedicated to your business. So like Fran, when we, when we started doing franchising, uh, and, I, and I won't get too much into that, but that was the big thing. People loved what we were doing, but it was our vision. Right? It was our passion. So if you weren't there all the time, when things got tough or when stuff started to look different, people wanted to change. Let's drop our prices. Let's let's use less of this. Let's 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 be understaffed, right? Like, and that's you can't be successful like that, right? There's a model for those kind of things, but like I always just say, we've got to be staffed for how busy we want to be, right? We've got to have inventory for how busy we want to be, not how busy we are, because. You just never know, right? But you got to be ready when it comes. And so having owner presence or people in, in on your team that are bought into that, make that so easy because then you've got owners everywhere. Right? You've got owners everywhere. And I, I hope, you know, I, I hope that, I, that I've led by example. You know, I, leadership isn't for cowards, right? That's a great book. Read it um, or listen to it, whatever you're into. But it paints the picture that like you can be a leader, but you've got to be, you can't be afraid of tough conversations. You can't be afraid of tough decisions. You can't, you can't be afraid to do what's right because results matter, right? Sometimes you can get to the end result by doing things the wrong way. And it's the road less traveled, right? It's 
you want to you want to go you don't want to go you want to be the guy that goes to the narrow gate right that everybody goes this direction um but if you can stick with it and go through the narrow gate and do things that way i think you're going to set yourself apart but it's easy it's easy to make a uh the wrong decision or a decision that maybe has uh that isn't super ethical because it gets you to the end goal i mean that's tough right there's there's times when those things you're gonna be faced with that stuff and it's a learning problem. You're probably going to make the wrong decision from time to time, but it's, it's it's about how you bounce back and the things you No, that's great. I, I've got a, a my, my favorite quote. It's, uh, the cowards never started, the weak died along the way, and that leaves us, ladies and gentlemen. So that's from uh, Phil Knight, Sue Dog. And it just, it just reminds me of exactly what you said. You know, lots of people don't want to start it because it's too hard, so they take the easy gate, you know. The weak died along the way because it got tough, so they decide to discount their prices, you know. And then that leaves us, the ones that actually, you know, Got, got kicked on, got some more wounds, but made it out to the other side with some lessons there. Um, no, this is this has been great, Ryan. We are going to jump to the final three with CNC. So there you go. So these are just final three questions. We change them every time, but they deal with business life um, and leadership traits. Let's see. Chris, do you want to start off? Yep. Uh, so we, we scratched the surface. We haven't asked this for a while, but I actually do want to know for you because you come from a little bit different background. What is your favorite book that would drive you as a person? So that can be entrepreneurial, it can be coffee, it can be real estate, it can be working out. What's your book? Yeah, so so I'm not a reader, okay? Um, because my, my mind doesn't stop um, to focus, but I... Um, I would say leadership isn't for cowards is one that's really been a huge impact um, for me. Um, you know, I love the the typical, um, I'm reading, doing 75 hard, right? You were allowed to do that. So I got to read 10 pages a day and all those things. So right now I'm reading um, how successful people think, right? Because again, mindset is everything, right? So so those, if I told you, do I have a favorite book? I don't know. The Chip, the Chip Gaines book is pretty great. It is pretty good. Really good. Actually, that's probably one of my favorites, honestly. Uh, Matthew McConaughey's book's good. Um, oh, see, you, you ever do Audible? Yeah, that's what, that's it, man. I, I listen. Oh, Green Lights, McConaughey's book on Audible is clutch. So, so just to be... I don't let my wife listen. <laughs> so just to be fair, Ryan, when whenever somebody says a book, I feel like for the past three years, it's the same as saying Audible, right? It's the same as saying Yeah, we, we've, we've conditioned ourselves where... Audible or Blinkist or Summaries read to you by Matthew McConaughey, whatever it is, what's your uh, source there? Yeah, I... Oh, man, that's a, that's a great book. No, I'm going to pick up Leadership Isn't for Cowards right after this. Um... You know, I've got like four questions here, but I'm gonna I'm gonna ask this one. Um, what what does Ryan Danny want to be known for? What do you want to be known for? All deep, good hair. I thought that is so good. You've already nailed it. Come on, man. Some gray hair, man. No, you know, I, this is gonna sound super cliche, but it, you know, I'm passionate about it, right? That that I that I had a positive impact on people right that that when their interactions with me were no matter what the scenario had a positive impact right whether it was a bad or it was a tough conversation but but it, it in some way shape or form they they took it they learned from it they they grew a little bit but but interacting with me was a was a positive uh interaction with a purpose because i mean that's the goal for me man is just to influence people in the right way and, and i'm a I'm a sinner and a, I make mistakes and I'm not perfect, right? But 
you know, that's what I want to be. That's what I want people to know me for is like, this guy has made a positive impact and, and had such a positive influence on people that just being around him was a good experience and not a cocky way, but in a, in a, in a good way. Right. Yeah. I think that's, that's it. I, I want to be a good husband, a good dad. I mean, I think those things go without being said, but I, I don't, I don't think that's cliche, man, because especially if you tie it into everything you've said in the, throughout this last hour, like the positive effects you have on people, the transfer emotions, the being a leader, like you, you, uh, you want that you're living that. So that's, of course we all don't want to be viewed upon negatively, but you're, that's, that's a great feeling. And, um, I know that that makes a lot of sense is that someone thinks you, they're going to get a smile on their face. And there's a, there's a positive, uh, positive reaction, positive story, whatever it was, it's going to be great. So yeah. how do we leave the world a better place than, than when we, when we got into it? That's, that's the goal. Yeah. Or the business or whatever it is you're doing. Um, here's a question for you. Never asked this before. You were a part of franchising something. What's the number one lesson you'd take away from that process of the franchising and or either you teaching the per the franchisee or you owning the franchise, what's the number one lesson you have now applied to the rest of your life? Yeah, so, you know, that was a short-lived, you know, maybe a couple of years opportunity for me. Um, you know, and my, you know, that, my, my mom and stepdad probably absorbed the majority of those things. What I would say is, um, be selective, right? You know, being selective in who you do business with. Um, there's experts everywhere, right? You go to the doctor because they're the expert, right? But so you trust, you trust that they're going to do things the right way, right? You, you hire an attorney because they're the expert. Um, but you got to be careful, right? Because, because there's everybody makes mistakes, right? So just be diligent about the partnerships that you choose. Be diligent about the people that you select, right? Your selection process needs to be, um, ironclad because again when the going gets tough if it's your brand on the line are they going to keep pumping through right you know and from a training perspective you know you get they the people you got to be like a chameleon a little bit right you got to be able to train different ways you got to be able to to adapt and adjust but you also got to get people bought in right? because nobody's going to Nobody's going to sit with you in a training center pulling shots of espresso for 12 hours a day. I'm not even kidding you. That's what we do, right? 12 hours a day just to get the perfect shot. If I had if I had a lot of espresso, I could probably do it for 12 hours a day. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, three days. Well, but they got to be bought in, right? So you got to create that buying, right? Like why? You got you to help them understand why. And I think that translates, right? So like if I'm training a new lab tech, or if I'm hiring a new lab tech, the onboarding process has to look a certain way because you know, this is a relationship we hopefully are going to be in a long time, right? So you got to make sure that they fully understand and are willing to take on the challenges and buy in and stuff like that. I think um, franchising is tricky, man, because once you pass it off, it's off, you know, and, and you can have those touch points and different things like that. But it, it just, from my short experience, it's a tricky thing and people got to figure it out. They do a great job. And I think if you have a, a cookie cutter scheme that's very scalable and I think it can be really successful. You know, we were on our way, but it, it ended up kind of falling through. So, good deal. Awesome, awesome. Appreciate it, Danny. Thank you. Thank yeah. you for the time, man. Um, how can everybody get a hold of you? Yeah, well, um, my email rdenhart at gmail dot com. Um, certainly reach out to me that way. Um, can I get my cell phone on here? I'm of course, of course, ma'am. Yeah, so you call me, text me, whatever three zero eight four four zero one five nine four. My DMs are open um, and on I, all social media platforms. 
I should ask, what, what's something that, what's one thing that you would be looking for in a connection? Yeah. So, I mean, in, you know, just in general, if somebody's looking for some advice, um, some consulting, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm for hire if they need that, but I'm also down for just talking to people, right? I, I want to build relationships and connections and, you know, ultimately that's, what's going to make us you know, grow these like-minded connections with people. So I'm, I'm down for all of it. Um, so you know, but I'd love, like I said, I'd love to get my consulting business back off the ground. I'd love to do some human resource consulting and leadership things within your organization. Um, you know, work together on kind of that sort of stuff. Um, to I, I do, I do want to say this. Um, and you know, cut me off if I don't have any time because I get long winded. But leadership was a journey, right? Like, like it's easy to be a captain of a football team, right? Because you're playing football and, and, and you know people follow you because you make plays and. You, you celebrate really cool and you're loud and you motivate all the things that I used to do, you know, Chris can attest to that, but leadership is a journey, right? And you're going to find so many ways to screw it up. And I've done it repeatedly, right? Uh, I screwed it up a ton of times. Um, but it's, you got to be able to recognize your errors, recognize the faults and, 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 and charge forward and make a new way for yourself. Right. Because who you want to be and who you are, they sometimes are two different things, right? And in the circumstance, like sales, when I was in sales, man, it was, um, I mean, because it's just different. Leading through sales, and there's quotas and there's there's all these things, right? And everything is measured. And and so you got to really just stay true yourself, right? And, and and regardless of what industry you're in, be be humble in your in your ability to fail. Fail often, learn from it, um, because you're going to get more from your failures than you do your success, right? I mean, you can be successful a thousand times, but until you hear the word no, you're going to have to figure out a way to get it figured out, right? So I'm not perfect. I've never been perfect. I've made a ton of mistakes, um, but I feel like I've grown a lot from that and and have learned how to take those mistakes and turn it into a positive and regardless of the industry that you're in. Um, and I just think that that's, anybody can be a leader if you're willing to humble yourself and learn from your mistakes. Um, you just to be able to translate that into relationships and, and, and be a good person and do the right thing. No, I might hit you up on uh, some of the consulting you do. It's uh, there, there's been a lot of uh, a lot of growth happening. So it's a, as you said, it's a good thing. It's a good thing, but it's it's difficult. Stay connected regardless of what it looks like. And, and Chris, I'd love to get on a rower with you again, man. Drink some wine, get on yeah. the rower, and get off it. Maybe maybe throw this assault bike in if you want. All of the above. I need an assault bike now. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Fucking Chris and his ultimate jam. Oh, I'm crushing these days, though. I'm going to back on it. I'm jealous. For a while, for for six, seven years, I collected dust, and it, it was it was terrible. It was sad, because I'd always show off my gym to my buddies, <laughs> and I'd be like, but I don't ever use it. But uh, now, even I'm, and I'm also fat, <laughs> but now I'm back into it, man, changed the diet, working out all the time, using everything I got down there. I mean, it's a, it's a different game. Assault bike is certainly on the table. Oh, fuck the assault bike. We, we've got a garage gym, too. Um, my wife uses it more than me. She she ran a marathon, and um, speaking of Chip Gaines, she ran the, the marathon in Waco, and so we bought a treadmill for all that, but she's she just started her own business. Um, she's a nutrition coach. She's a um, She's a trainer. She's a postpartum and pregnancy coach. So she's doing things too, man. And she's, she's so great. Um, you know, if you, if you do something with fitness, she'd be, she's the ticket man. Cause she's, she's phenomenal. So we got all this gym equipment at home and I go somewhere else. Cause I, when they, I can't work out in the garage because it's just like, eh, I got to be in front of all the things. 
Could be dancing around a little bit. Yeah. A little bit, a little attention. Uh, send us the links for her too, man. We'll yeah. get in there. Thanks for jumping on today, Dan. Yeah, man. Great to meet you. You too. Yeah, it was great, guys. I appreciate the time. Awesome. All right, brother. All right. See you, man. Thank, Thank you. you. Well,